That's not a real sprinkle. No, it's hard as a rock. This has got to be San Francisco himself right here. It's kind of exciting to actually be here. Like sometimes I'll sit in my room and I'll picture a Native American woman running through a forest with a bunch of pack of wolves and she's just sitting there watching the sunset. Cool. Sir! Sir! Wisdom, how would you... This guy's being rude. He's being rude and I can't handle it. Okay, so we're standing here, you can see. Good heavens. So here we are at the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. You can see it right down here. I believe the gate was actually discovered in 1905 by the Germans. And you can see up in the distance, the Atlantic Ocean. Kind of cool. Sir, 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 quick question. Sir, sir. What's your name? What's your name? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Is he rich like me? It's the time of the seasons for So here we are guys at a place called Alcatraz, right out here. That was actually a movie set that was built for the movie The Rock. Nicolas Cage, Sean Connery, pretty big deal, pretty cool. Woo, looking good. Jeez, you're tan. One, two. Now maybe one with the three of us. One, two. Do you mind if I get one? Just you and me? One, two. Thank you. Quick selfie with you guys here. Oh, okay. I'm Nick. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. You're from the UK? Yeah. yeah. I am from the UK as well. What no, that's not true. Go fetch me some water. Decent. How do you say it? Walter. Walter. Yeah. <laughs> what brings you guys to San Francisco? A plane? Yeah, but I thought about you. Yeah, that's good. I've been thinking about you guys. I yeah. Uh, this, I tried calling Catherine. Um, you did? I didn't even message for her, but okay. I, you know, she didn't pick up, so I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Just try calling her back another time. Hello? Hello. <laughs> Who is the wisest person that you know? My wife. I wish I could say that about my wife. Well, you will in time. <laughs> it's okay. I'm leaving now. Have you heard of Google Glass? Yes. Would you ever buy it? Never. It's too expensive for me. Nope. Well, I <laughs> actually have one I can show you. So. <laughs> You yeah. can try holding it. Yeah. That's a Google Glass. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Nick, by the way. Hey. Uh, yes, as we're wrapping it up, I want to say that I've appreciated Proverbs, that I've appreciated the wisdom. That a question for you. Yeah. Define wisdom for me. Yeah, so I'm going to do right now. But I got a question for you. Okay. Are you in trouble with your wife? Am I? Yes, I'm in trouble. All right. I'm in trouble. Hey, uh, <laughs> we are loving this. And uh, wherever Nick is going next, 
we are in for it. We want to send yes. you around the world, Nick Next. Very How good. many are for Nick Next? Woo! Yes. Quick selfie before Let's I go. Do it. All right, here we Let's go. Let's do it. Here we go. One, one, two. There it is. All right. Thank you. Thank Give you. Give it up for Nick. Woo! Ah. We have enjoyed that, sending him all around the world, and you never know what you're going to get, but you're going to get Nick, and uh, it's been a good thing. And I've loved this series. We are wrapping it up today, and we're going to talk about uh, just the wisdom again from Proverbs, and we're going to look at vices. What does the Bible have to say about vices that we have in our life? And so we're going to hit a couple of those, but as I, before I get into that, I just want to make sure we understand that the wisdom in Proverbs will help save us from so much trouble. It really will. The wisdom of Proverbs. It would be just great advice, again, to continue to read it every day of your life. It'll save you so many uh, issues. It will help you in so many ways. And uh, Solomon, as he was writing Proverbs, Proverbs 170 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We are going to love God. We are going to love and respect Him and have a deep awe of Him. And we are going to say we receive instruction. We receive the wisdom that is there. And we want to go after this. We're hungry for it. And Proverbs uh, chapter 4, verses 3 through 9 says this, For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. He said, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you, love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. And we've got to realize this. The Bible is telling us, get wisdom, get wisdom, get wisdom. So we just want to make sure as we end this series, do we really understand what wisdom is? Because with Google, uh, I think we're shortchanging ourselves with wisdom because there's data. That's the lowest level, data. That's just facts and figures. And then when you organize data together, it becomes information. That's really just organized data. Then when you take uh, it to the next level, there's knowledge. That's where facts and information uh, that we acquire, it kind of leads to action. Knowledge leads to action. So somebody's going to tell you about uh, what, it, what is the difference between knowledge and action. So knowledge is this. Uh, my TV, uh, the bulb burned out on the TV, and I had to replace the bulb. And so I Googled it to get the knowledge that led me to replacing the bulb on my TV. It wasn't a moral, ethical dilemma. It wasn't how I should live. It was just information that helped me to uh, have some action behind it. Now, wisdom is different. Wisdom is having the knowledge. It's having the good judgment. Now, catch this. To be able to discern and judge what's right. That's where wisdom comes in. It's the knowledge and the good judgment to discern and judge what's right. And it relates to our options. Wisdom helps you with the options. How many know when you have options before you? Like, I didn't need to uh, call someone that was older and say, hey, I got this bulb. I, I found it on Google. I'm trying to make sure it's the right way to replace the bulb. It was just knowledge. It was easy to do. But when I'm standing there and I have a decision to make, okay, do I invest with this or this? Or do I buy this or that? Is this a good decision? Is this a good home? How many know when you go to buy your first home, you want your mom and dad to walk through it with you? You're like, do you see anything we don't see? There's options before me. I want to know if this is the right decision because there's options before me. 
And so wisdom leads to that uh, decision-making, that judgment of is this right or is this wrong? Is this wise or unwise? And that's the beauty of wisdom. And I think that we've got to step it up and say we want wise people around us. Because how many know you can have people that are really smart but aren't very wise? They have lots of degrees, but their life is a wreck. And I believe this, wisdom puts your life together. Wisdom puts your life together. Wisdom says, I'm building your house, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to put it together. So people living in wisdom, if we're going to live in wisdom, again, closing out this series, I just want to talk about wisdom for a little bit and then the vices that are there. Um, People that are living in wisdom are constantly absorbing things. You're constantly watching to see how things work. You're constantly asking questions. You're questioning things and wondering why this and not this. You're asking questions. You're questioning things. And a key thing, if you're going to be somebody that's wise, you're going to have to remain teachable. If you're going to remain teachable, you're going to have to remain humble. And I think a lot of people are not wise because we're a pretty arrogant bunch. If we were very wise, we'd just say, wait, wait, teach me on that. Teach me on that. I don't understand that. I don't know the answer. And the other thing is wisdom will cost you. How many know that wisdom will cost you? It'll cost you. It'll put a, a, a right decision in front of you that you need to make, and wisdom says it's going to cost you. You're going to have to do the hard thing, and many of us choose instead to do the easy thing. Wisdom will cost you um, time. We don't even want to consider paying the price that it costs us to get the wisdom. We don't even want to reflect, and, and wisdom takes time to get knowledge. How many know you can get Google knowledge in two seconds, yeah, yeah. and you can complain about it that it took that long? We were driving this weekend, and I asked Siri a question, and uh, I asked, what's the average temperature of a place that we were wanting to visit in March? And she said, I don't know. I can only think 10 days ahead or whatever. And I was like, man, Siri doesn't know the weather in March. And then I said to my wife, isn't that funny? I just complained about talking to a computer that didn't know the weather in March. I mean, I just thought, wow, how weird is that? Knowledge, it can get there right there, right away. But wisdom will cost you. It takes time to percolate, to ponder. Think about how many times in the uh, book of Proverbs it says, consider, ponder this, take notice of this, pay attention to this, reflect on this, go by the field of this person and take a look, think about it. It always is telling us to take the time to let it percolate in our life, to let it saturate us. One Funny comedian, uh, Pete Holmes, he did a whole bit on this, and if you want, you can Google it later. Uh, But he did a a thing on YouTube, uh, a a thing about Google, and he talked about Google took away the wonder. Google took away the wait period, and he said, there used to be things where you'd say, I wonder, and then nobody would know the answer, and you'd talk to everyone at the party, like, do you know? And they wouldn't know, and they wouldn't know, and they wouldn't know, and then finally, a couple months later, you'd see somebody wearing the t-shirt of that, and you'd say, do you know? And they'd say, yeah, I know, and then you're like, yes, and there was a moment between wondering and finding out that helped you percolate on it, helped you to understand it, helped you to ask more people, helped you to get different opinions. It's, it's just an amazing thing. We've lost the mystery and the wonder because we can get the knowledge right away. But I'm telling you, wisdom takes time. It takes time. And I will tell you this, wisdom is found in the pauses of life. Wisdom is found in the pauses of life. When you slow down and you contemplate and you think about it. And I would say this, I think we need to Google less and noodle more. 
Think of something like, what does that mean? Noodle, think about it, ponder, try it, be creative. Instead of Googling, I was trying to think it through and go ahead and do that. Matter of fact, um, when I think about what we ask you to do spiritually, SOAP, our scripture, observation, application, prayer, we're asking you to get wisdom as you do that. You know, you could just read it. We could just say, just read it and, and then go on to the next thing. But when we ask you to read that passage in the Bible and then think about what do you observe about this? How can you apply this to your life? Now, what can you pray to God? Do you understand there's, there's something that's going on instead of being fast food spiritually, it's like home-cooked spiritual growth that's going on as you ponder and develop wisdom. Now, another thing that I believe is wisdom requires connecting. And I'm going to ask a couple people to come up on the platform. I've already asked them to join me. I've asked my mother, Isabel, and I've asked my uh, oldest son, Connor, to join me up on the platform because I believe this. Wisdom requires connecting. Okay? Knowledge does not require connecting. I want one of you on one side and one on the other. Connor, you can go over here. Mom, you can go there. And uh, wisdom requires connecting. But how many know that you can get knowledge with just a smartphone? I can sit there, and if I, don't, if I just need to know information, I can just pull it out and do my phone and be able to get the knowledge that I need. But if I have wisdom, wisdom connects us to each other. And I think something that's really wrong with society right now is we're not very connected. Okay, here's what wisdom does. Wisdom says, I need to talk to those that are older than me. And my mom said, she goes, I'll help you out as long as I can be the younger person in the illustration. <laughs> not today, mom, not today. Okay, but here's the deal. If you look through Proverbs, what is it saying? Listen, my son. Listen, my son. Listen to what your father's saying. Listen to what your mother's saying. Wisdom requires you to be connected to the previous generations, and that's a good thing because they've been there, done that, and they can give you warnings. But here's the other thing. Wisdom is the person in the now. I've got a problem, a dilemma, an option that is in front of me, but I need to be connected to the past. But here's the other thing. I need to be connected to the future. Because wisdom says, you're giving me advice, I'm living in my now, but you're living in the future, and I don't want to ruin it for you. And there's a chain that goes on with wisdom that goes on, and there's another part of wisdom that is looking up. It's saying, God, I want to please you. I want to learn from you. I want to make the right decision now. I want to please you, and I want to set your future up for what's good. It's been there, right now, out there, up there. That's what wisdom does. And that's why when you read Proverbs, I pray that you grab this, that it's saying connect. Connect to those that are older than you. Remember there are people coming behind you. The reason that we're making such bad decisions and our, our, our country is making such immoral decisions is we're not thinking about who's been before us, who's coming behind us, and the one ultimately that we should be pleasing. That's what wisdom does. So read the book of Proverbs and realize you're holding the hands of those who have gone before you and those that are coming behind you. And I will tell this, um, my mom has started a, a couple life groups, and I would love it if we would have dozens of these in our church, and we could call them before Google. We could call these life groups before Google, where those of you that are older, you're older, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Those of you that are older can give your wisdom. That's biblical. The New Testament says, have the older women train the younger women. 
have the older men train the younger men. They can do that. And I tell you what, she has a, a group and it's like no holds barred. I mean, she just goes after the younger ladies and pours out wisdom on them and helps them to connect to previous generations. And I'd love for dozens and dozens and dozens of life group. If you're looking for one to start and you would consider yourself old, that's a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing. Why not start a before Google group and help the younger generation to connect the pieces, all right? Thank you guys for helping me. Someday I will have you as the young illustration. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Give them a hand. <laughs> Knowledge doesn't require you to connect the dots, but wisdom does, and that's a beautiful thing, and I pray that you get that as we look into Proverbs. Um, a 17th century writer, James Howell, said, some people are wise and some people are otherwise. <laughs> I want you to be wise, all right? So that's what God has done. He's given us his word. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us this beautiful book of Proverbs to help us to be wise and not otherwise. So let me talk about a few vices. And yes, I'm probably going to talk about ones that make you uncomfortable. And yes, I'm going to talk about one that I already talked about. But you can't read the book of Proverbs and not talk about it. So I'll start with that one first and we'll move on. But adultery and immorality, again... I know that there are people that have fallen into this, and they, it's a pain and a hurt, but there are 78 verses in the book of Proverbs talking about the vice of adultery and immorality, and there's young men and women that need to hear this truth and be able to stay away from it, and Proverbs 29.3 says, a man who loves wisdom brings joy to his father, but a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth. Proverbs 7, 24 through 27 says, Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. This is a dad telling his son, don't do it. Don't go to the wayward woman. Stay faithful to your wife. The Bible is clear that fleshly lust, immorality, has destroyed all sorts of people. It's over and over again, and, the, and the, the Bible says in Proverbs 7, it says, many, many are her victims, many, many. It seems like sometimes we go through a, a time in church where I'm talking to one pastor, yeah, I'm dealing with somebody that fell and, and committed adultery, I'm dealing with another one that's addicted to internet porn, I'm dealing with another one this, I'm dealing with another one this, another one that, and it just feels like many, many, many are the victims, and God help us in this electronic age that we live in. We better have filters. We better have accountability. Your spouse better know your password. Your kids should plug their devices in in the kitchen and give you their passwords. There shouldn't be that going to the bedroom, retreating with a handheld device. They can take them anywhere in the world in places that you don't want them to be. It, it destroys people. It destroys all sorts of people. And uh, chapter 7, verse 25, it says, Don't let your heart turn to her ways. See, the heart turns away, and the heart starts to stray, and it goes down a path that is destruction. And I would say to you, don't take the first steps towards destruction. Thoughts, daydreams, and what ifs, those are the first steps of destruction. What if? What about? Books, conversations, laptops, handhelds, iPads, these things all can open up the door to the next step and the next step. Bad company. I mean, all these things can start to feed this, and the next thing you know, you're going down a road that leads to destruction, and the Bible is very clear. Get wisdom. Don't go down that road. It only leads to death. It says, dread the first step. Don't go down the path. Dread the first step. Stay as far away from it as you can. People say, well, how close to the edge can I go? Don't even worry about the edge. Stay away from the edge. Yep. People say, well, if I'm, I'm not familiar with it, I, I won't know how to deal with that and how to help people. 
Familiarity with sin does not strengthen your resolve with sin. It weakens it. Don't do it. Don't go down that road. Don't go down that. It's, it's, it's a dead-end road. Again, it says many victims, many victims. Don't say them out loud, but think about great political leaders destroyed for lack of control with sexual immorality that have a stain. When you say their name, you think of the immorality. Great preachers, maybe someone that led you to Jesus that lost it all because they chased after immorality and it's person after. It says many victims. There's been business owners lose the whole thing. Most recently in the state of Minnesota, athletic director, right here, a living example, losing an amazing paying job, high influence, because they couldn't, he couldn't heed the warning of Proverbs, because he couldn't do it. And I don't know if he has a relationship with Jesus Christ, but I'll tell you this, the only thing that is strong enough to keep you from going down that path is the grace of God and the strength of God. It's the only thing. And I'm telling you, as you're tempted to go down that road, you need to remember who loves you more than anything, your Savior. And I love what Joseph Prince says. Pastor Joseph Prince, he said, when you're tempted to sin, say to yourself, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And you start saying who you are in Christ and let that faith well up in you and build up in you and keep you from sinning. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. The grace of God has saved me. The grace of God will keep me. And I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I won't go down that road because God has made me the righteousness of God in Christ. Man, we have to resist. And the Bible is over and over again. Don't go down that road. 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 And the best advice is flee, run, stay away. And if you're even in that proximity, claim, I'm the righteous of God in Christ. I am saved by grace. I am kept by grace. God is going to give me the strength to run. There's no temptation that is going to overcome me. God has made him an escape. I'm looking for the fire exit. That's the way we should live with that one. All right, here's another one. Drunkenness. Drunkenness. And by the way, I'm going to do a series up ahead. I've been working on this one for about a year Sometimes I work on these and they just have to, uh, I was going to say ferment, but then drunkenness, I just, uh, (laughs) series is called Wasted. When did it get so good to say, oh, I was so wasted this weekend, like it's a badge of honor. I was so wasted, so wasted. And I look at people and I say, what a waste. What a waste. And I don't know where your stand is on alcohol, but mine is, I don't drink at all. I don't drink to be an example to those people that are suffering with that life-controlling addiction. I don't drink because of what it did in my family before we found Christ. Uh, You may not know this, but my grandfather worked for Budweiser. He was the treasurer. You think, I wonder if Pastor Rob came from a line of preachers. I came from a line of Budweiser, all right? (laughs) Man, so I just have said no drinking in my family. All right? Now, I don't know where your line is, and we'll talk about that in that series, Wasted, but I'll tell you this. The line is very clear. Wherever your line is, the line is very clear. No drunkenness. No drunkenness. Proverbs 20, verse 1, wine is a mocker, beer is a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. When I read that in the Word of God, I was like, well, I'm smart. I'm staying away from beer and wine because I am wise, and I don't want to be a mocker. I was not made to be a brawler, and I was made to be wise. Proverbs 31, he's talking, he said, it's not for you, king, it's not for you to look at the wine. 
Kings and leaders don't do that. That's another reason when people say to me, why do you drink? I say, kings and leaders don't look at that. Kings and leaders don't need to be tripped up like that. I don't need to have anything impairing my mind. Kings and leaders don't live that way. Proverbs 23, who has woe? Who has bloodshot eyes? Who has wounds that they don't even know about? The drunk does. I'm reading Proverbs and realizing, all right, I got a standard here. There's no being drunk. And I get that very loud and clear. And here's the problem with being drunk. The problem with being drunk is it's revealed to you after the fact. You cannot self-correct when you're going down that road. All of a sudden you're there and the next day they're telling, man, you were so wasted. I was? You did this. You were a fool. You told him off. I did? Oh, yeah, you were there. You talk about, oh, that's funny. It's not funny when somebody doesn't know until after the fact the next morning that they were raped because they got drunk. You cannot self-correct in it. That's why the Bible's saying, don't do that. You'll find out in drunks in a, in a jail cell. What did I do? What did I do? Where's my car? Where's my motorcycle? What just happened? It's saying, don't be drunk because you cannot autocorrect. It leads to things that, that lower your inhibition, if I could say it in technical terms and Google terms. Being drunk lowers the firewall. It lowers the firewall and allows all sorts of things to come in. I can't tell you how many times I counsel with people and they step into immorality, which was the first one because they got involved in this one. It lowered the firewall. Next thing you know, you know, there's examples in the Bible for us. Noah and Lot, they're right there about getting drunk and doing horrible things. And they're there. You know why they're there? They're there to show you you are not half the man as Noah, and yet you dabble with alcohol. It's there to show you you're not half the leader as Lot was. You're not even half, you're not even close. And yet you, you walk down the path of destruction and it's saying, watch out, it took out Noah. It created a mess for Lot's family. It created enemies for the children of Israel, all from Lot getting wasted. Watch out. I love the honesty of the word of God. I love the honesty of the Proverbs saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. In Ephesians 5.18, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, which is sexual immorality. It's saying the firewall comes down. It said, instead, be filled with the Spirit. Paul says, man, be filled with the Spirit. Don't get involved in that. Be filled with the Spirit. Time for a few more. We'll skip over hate, favoritism, and troublemaking, and we'll get right to gluttony. All right, we'll go there, gluttony. Gluttony, Proverbs 20. How many know the, the other two that I just did? They're kind of like, <laughs> they can be seen as church yay, amen ones, and all of a sudden gluttony, it's like, ooh. All right, but let's talk about this. Come on, let's talk about this. Proverbs 23, 19 to 21. Listen, my son, and be wise, and set your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine. Amen. Or gorge themselves on meat. Oh, my. For drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Here's the thing. When it comes to gluttony, when it comes to food, there's things that we should enjoy, and we all should each eat. And you can't take a standard like I did. I say, no alcohol. I can't say, no food. I got to eat. I got to eat. And so the problem is we take something that is good and we take it to excess and it becomes bad. It starts to destroy us. It clogs up our arteries. It starts to cause us to not have the energy that we need. Hey, can you help serve? No, I'm tired. I'm beat. Hey, can you do this? No, my back, my knee, my thing. I got surgery and all that. Well, we're carrying too much weight. And I would know. 
I did that whole book, Change Before You Have To, and lost the weight. And I'm telling you what, I was on my way down that road. I feel so much younger. And like I said to Becca, I feel like I'm 10 years younger. I'm going to relive those 10 years because I lost the weight. It slows you down. And I'm telling you what, you need to watch out. There's, you need to have just the right amount of blessing. Too much and it injures you. It's tough. It's tough. I understand this. But we have to make better choices. Split the meal. Taste the dessert. Exercise. You know, hang out with people that are on the same journey. When we had John Bevere and Lisa Bevere, I'm going to tell you what, they are some of the healthiest eaters I've ever been around. How many know I elevated my game when I was around them? How many know that Beck and I were hanging out this weekend and we went to Isles Bun and Coffee? We lowered the game. <laughs> but we split it. We split it and we are committed to the treadmill. But anyways, hang out with people, split the meal, taste the dessert, exercise. And let's not let our, our weight be something that disqualifies our message. People are like, well, you're not disciplined in that area, so I'll just give me uh, my permission over there. It's there all throughout Proverbs. Last one, laziness. Proverbs 18, 18.9. One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. That just seems like a really high penalty to pay for being lazy. And yet the Bible is very clear that the person that destroys, when it talks about that, that's like a prodigal son that is out there giving away the money, giving away the inheritance, spending it and spending it and spending it, and destroying everything that's been built up. And it says the person who's lazy is the same as like the person that destroys. And basically it's saying at the end of the, at the, at the, end of the day, they both end up with empty hands. One folded his hands and never did anything and is empty, and one went and threw money around and at the end of the day is empty. And saying that's not the way wisdom lives. Wisdom doesn't live this way. Wisdom isn't lazy. Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to, uh, to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. They're saying there's, there's people, they're lazy, and they're just laying around. Matter of fact, it's an amazing thing. Proverbs also talks about, you talk to the lazy person, and he's wiser in his own eyes than anyone else. Have you ever met somebody like that? Poor, doesn't have two nickels to rub together, but he's going to tell you how to live and the decisions you should make and the way that you should live your life. And they know it, and even if you argue with it, they're smarter than everybody else. And Proverbs says, don't take advice from that person. Don't take advice from that person. Here's the thing. The Bible wants you to be useful. God wants you to be useful. There's something beautiful about saying, I'm on this earth to be useful. I'm not here to be lazy. I'm here to put my hand to work and see what God wants to do with me. There's something about finding your place in the church and saying, I am not here to be just a, a, a consumer. I'm here to give and to be part of this, and I'm going to be useful to the hands of God. I'm going to be an extension of the hands of God. I'm not going to be lazy. And it'd be real easy for us to just close on, yeah, get to work. Everybody get to work. But let me just close with this. What area are you needing this wisdom in when it comes to being lazy? Are you lazy with work? Are you lazy with your body? Are you lazy with your mental and your education? Are you lazy spiritually? The Bible talks about the person that is a sluggard 
He has everything he needs right there, but because he doesn't even want to put the effort into it, he won't even lift his hand to his mouth. He's going to starve to death because he won't lift his hand to his mouth. I just don't want you to starve spiritually to death because you won't crack open the Bible and see what God's Word has to say and take a pen and do a little soap time and spend some time with God. I don't want you to be lazy in the kingdom of God. I want you to be useful. I'm going to tell you what, you were made to be useful. And for those of you that are wondering, work was before the fall of man. We were commanded to take care of the garden and to work and to do something. So it's okay. It's a good thing. You're like, oh, man. It's harder since the fall of man, but work was still part of God's plan. He does not want you to be lazy. He wants you to be involved and to improve and make things better and expand and take the wisdom that you had and, and invent and grow and serve and be useful. Because heaven will not be won by the lazy. How many know that? Won't be won by the lazy. Get wisdom. It'll help you to live above the things of this earth. The question today is, will you apply it and live? Because, man, wisdom is so much greater. It's so much greater than Google and anything Google could ever give you. I pray that you'll grab wisdom from those before you and realize wisdom is going to those behind you. And wisdom is for the one that loves you so much that is above you. So, Lord, I just pray right now that you would help us to get wisdom, apply wisdom, live wisdom. And I feel it very strongly just to pray this and say this. God, we, we love everyone, and we understand that we're all in struggles, and we understand that you love us where we are. But we understand you love us so much that you don't want to leave us there. So, God, I just pray that instead of people hearing uh, uh, condemnation, bad person, they'd hear don't live that way. There's a better way to live. There's a better way to live. There's a better way to live. And they see the hope in living the better way. Help us to be morally pure, sober-minded. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be people that wouldn't fall prey to an easy Christian sin of being gluttonous and eating and eating and overeating and overeating. And help us, Lord Jesus, to be the hardest workers that people would see our work ethic and say, man, Christians are amazing people that work so hard. They work so hard. It's as if they're working for God and not even for their boss. Thank you, Lord. Help us to apply this wisdom, to take the time to get the pauses in our life and to say, God, we desire you. We desire the wisdom that will help us live in a wise way in a world that so desperately needs your wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.